watch this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and I'm here talking all things Sporting Salford the show this week. As have we got James Sweetnam. James, looking forward to talking all things Sporting Salford to be on. I most certainly am, Rob. I love doing this every week with you and Paul and hopefully today will be another of our epic shows. Yes, we're also joined by Paul Whiteside from the Devil in Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all rugby league and boxing and everything else going on in the world of sports. Yes, certainly am. Certainly am. I look forward to this every week with you two guys. And uh, yeah, another action pack show. There's plenty going on. Oh, you can feel the love in the uh, Sports Zone studio today. Everyone <laughs> loving each other and loving talking about sport, James. Absolutely, Rob. This is what we do here on the Sports Zone every week. It's me, you, and Paul, and we treat the fans. We welcome them in to this little bubble we've got, which is, of course, the Sports Zone. Yes. So we'll start with the Rugby League and Salford Red Devils, where it all gets a bit sad. Paul, Salford Red Devils defeated by Leeds Rhinos, uh, 14 points to 16 on Sunday. Talk us through it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a funny game, Rob. You know, Leeds came into the game you know, on Salford's shirt tails, really. Salford in sixth place in the table, Leeds not too far behind. So this you had the feeling of a of a playoff four point, if you like, in a game that Salford could uh, could move away. But Leeds got ahead with an early try. Tim Lapai responded for Salford, but Leeds were in leading 12-4 at the break. And the second half, Salford came out like a, like a train, really, scoring two quick tries in the first 10 minutes to turn the game on his head. And there was a mass brawl which sort of knocks off of the game a bit. A few 50-50 calls went against them. Two Leeds penalties put them back in front and they saw the game out, really. So a game that Salford should have won, uh, should have won and probably had, had snatched away from them, really, you know, three tries to two and we didn't win the game. So it was a, a strange afternoon and a disappointing one that leaves a bit of a bad taste in the mouth, really. Dejected, I thought, the players were at the end of the game and uh, put an awful lot of effort in and a massive improvement over the last three weeks, but didn't get the points. Yeah. Chris Atkins Simbind. Um, how disappointing was that? Obviously, the mass brawl and Shield. Um, you know, do you think the referee made the right decision there? Yeah, well, I've not seen the replay. I know you mentioned before off air that what, what had gone on and it sounded like, I mean, it's very rare in rugby league where there'll be a mass brawl and it'll only send in one player. You know, we normally both teams cop it because it takes two to, to tango, as they say. So, so yeah, there was, a, there was a few incidents in the game, but that one. I thought Leeds were clinging on a bit there. You know, as I said, we we came out in, in that second half with a renewed intensity and we started to pull away from Leeds. And I think they sort of wanted to get us back into that arm wrestle. A bit like a boxer, a boxer, you know, when he's fighting somebody that's he's probably better than, but that boxer will do it whatever he can to sort of drag you into a you know, fight you on the inside and drag you into a sort of game really where you sometimes you've got to box smarter, haven't you? Box clever and play clever and Salford didn't really. They got dragged into that sort of dirty stuff and um, and yeah, knocked them off the game, knocked them off the composure. And, you know, Leeds are, are a champion side. They got to the grand final last season. They're clever. They know how to win games by hook or by crook. They'll win a match whether it's doing it close to the knuckle or whatever. So I thought they did that to, uh, on Sunday and, you know, they, they know how to win, win close games, don't they? Mm. What was the most disappointing part of the performance for yourself obviously like you say we've had defeats in the last four weeks and it wasn't the worst performance of that period for me it was just frustrating that we could have beaten Leeds and we could have created a gap between us and the and the, the pack chasing that playoff spot unfortunately weren't able to and now everyone's in the mix for that sixth place yeah, and the, the, the disappointing thing was the result, you know, the two points at the end of the game. We, we we needed that win today to keep us sort of that cushion between the chasing pack behind us. Now you've got Leeds, who are just two behind us now. Hulkinson Rovers, are, I think, uh, 
I think they had two behind us as well. You've got Hull, who are just four behind us. They won again at the weekend. So you've got three big teams there with probably squads that are bigger than ours that, that are right behind us in that in that chase. So it's looking like now we need to start winning. We've got two massive games coming up against Lee and Catalans. You know, they're, they're tough matches coming up. So we need to book that trend and, and get a result, really, because what you don't want is to drop out of that top six. It's going to be difficult to get back in there. So, so yeah, the, the result overall was disappointing. It was another good crowd there, I think, on the day. Fantastic atmosphere. I mean, just going back to the game, for a neutral, I thought the game was absolutely outstanding. It had playoff intensity with end-to-end stuff. And uh, real, really exciting. Considering there wasn't like tons of points in the game, it just shows you don't need to have loads of points in the rugby league game to enjoy it. You can enjoy it by the ferocity of it and the the biff as they like that was there because it was all there to see, wasn't it? There's plenty of physicality there, plenty of needle in the game, and that's what we all love to see. So as an entertainment value, I thought it was ten out of ten. Yeah, I spoke to Jack Ormanroyd, Alex Gerrard, and Andy Ackers after the game, and this is what they had to say. So I'm joined by Andy Ackers. Defeat today. Talk us through it. Um. Just probably come down to lack of execution. Um, I think our mentality and our, and our um, attitude was there in defence today, um, which was a bit big focus going into this game. But I just think we were just a bit stupid in some areas in attack, and it just let us down. And you know, and a few calls didn't go our way, but no excuses. Back to the drawing board this week, and we've got Lee at home again. So, so what do you think was different? Obviously, both sides. Good game to watch. Both sides going at it, but Lee's just edged it. Yeah, yeah, I just think it's just lack of execution and stuff in players and I don't think it's anything to do with effort. Um, it was good to have some numbers back and myself being back on the field, um, it felt good, but um, we just can't we just can't give that too much ball, ball ball possession away so much like we have done today and you know we've got we've got to be a bit smarter in that area and I'm sure it's something we'll work towards this week. Yeah, was it like being back on the field? Been a, off for a few weeks, it's good to get back on the field and doing what you do. Yeah, I've been made up, mate, to be honest with you. It's been a bit of a... Um, bit of confusing time for me because obviously I've not I've never had so long out um, but like I said I was all fit as fit as a fiddle raring to go but it's just the protocols that you yeah. have to listen to the specialist don't you so you can't go against the reels and yeah so I'm glad to be back mate made up well you've been what have you been doing trying to fill the time in between <laughs> sort of this time the last six weeks whatever it's been probably just doing Mrs. head in at home um, no, no, I've just been training extra hard, to be honest with you. I've been getting more sessions in because my body's not been as sore, so I've just been making sure that my fitness is tipped up and um, hopefully I can just p- drop that rustiness from into the game. I don't think I was too rusty today. I think I was all right on personal level, but um, I'm just looking forward to keep building. Yeah, still sixth, still on the, hanging on the coattails of the, of the, of the playoff uh, situation. Get back to any ways, keep pushing up. Yeah, yeah, I don't, like I said before, I don't think it's anything men- mental and discipline wise I just think we've just got to be a little bit smarter with the ball and uh, something we'll work on this week yeah Lee next week opportunity to bounce back yeah 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 they're playing well they're really well I think they're second are they in the league Um, they're a good team Um, they'll be wanting to get one over us because we've obviously beat them twice this year so um, yeah it'll be a warm welcome from uh, AJ Bell Sunday brilliant thanks for talking to us welcome back so I'm joined by Alex Gerrard defeat today how do you feel um, disappointed. Um, no, Leeds are on a great bit of form at the moment, but I thought that was our game to lose. Um, I thought in the middle we weren't where we needed to be in terms of defensively, and we got rolled a little bit. Uh, Leeds have got a lot of good players, and I don't think we were at our best today. What do you think the difference was? Obviously, it was a good game, both teams going at it, but Leeds just edged it. What do you think the difference? Probably just a bit of composure um, in the right areas of the field. I think our completion was down massively in the second, in the first half. Sorry, I think it was at 55%. Um, 
and against a good team like that, you know, it's always going to be a tough for you. Uh, I think that's probably a little bit. And I think defensively, we need to be better and, you know, probably respect the ball a little bit more as well. Yeah, still six in the league, still pushing for that playoff spot. We, we do need to pick up a, a win or two now to, to keep the momentum going. It's tight, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen the league so tight. Mm. Um, you know, it's great, isn't it? It's great for the competition, how competitive it is. But again, it's all about us. We've got to take it week by week and, you know, try and turn it around and get some confidence. Yeah, Lee, uh, Lee next week. Um, opportunity to, to, to get a win and start pushing up again. 100%. Every home game you want to be targeting to get a win, you know. I think that's the base minimum. Um, Lee are uh, finding ways to win a lot of games at the moment. You know they're doing real well, but again, concentrate on us. We'll do the right thing, and I'm sure we'll be where we deserve to be. As a player, do you actually sort of look at the league table, or are you just take game by game? I take notes of it here and there. Obviously, it's, obviously, you all want to be in the playoffs at the end of the year, but you've got to go week to week. You know, take it week by week. You know, it's not perfect every week, so we we'll just ourselves down, work hard, go again. And how, how are you feeling coming back from injury? Feeling fit? Yeah, I feel all right, you know, trying to find my feet, need to get that bit of form back, so second game back now, hopefully keep building, keep improving. Brilliant, thanks for talking to us and I'm looking today. Cheers, thank you. So I'm joined by Jack Almeroy, defeat today. How do you feel, what do you think? Disappointing, I think. Um, I think we'd got it back in the start of that second half, I think we'd got it back to, um, obviously, who's been in front. Um, so to, to lose it like we did, especially on, on the back of two penalties, I think, really disappointed. Yeah, obviously we worked hard, good game. What's the difference? Obviously Leeds just sneaked through at the end there, but what, what do you think? What can you put your finger on being being the difference? Um, I'm not sure really. I, I don't think you can put my finger on anything. I think the, the lads worked hard for each other like we do every week. Um, and I just think the discipline at times. I think we've, um, like I say, we lost, we lost the game on the two penalties, so um, there's that. And then uh, I think if we were, I think we were at 50% or something at half time, so I don't think, I think the errors in the first half cost a little bit as well. What was the chat like in the changing room after we were a bit sad? Yeah, disappointment, yeah. I think we're, like, like I say, I thought we'd, with about 10 minutes left, I think we're winning, won't we? So I think to lose it that way is, is disappointing, so they've got a lot to go to, really, yeah. Still sixth. Need to start winning to get that momentum going again. How would you, how'd you stop the spin? I just think we've got to just look to next week now and then we've got to uh, just put a performance in next week. I think it's as simple as that really. I think we can't dwell on the last, I think we've lost the last four now, so you can't dwell on that. I think we've got to um, look, look forward and put everything into next week and hopefully get the two points next week. Yeah, Lee, next week, local derby. Proud will be up for it. Hopefully we can get the two points. Hopefully, yeah. It's, uh, we need it really, don't we? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a local derby. So they're doing really well as well, so it's a big game. So... Um, yeah, hopefully we can get the two points and kick, kick on, kick, kick on for the, end of the rest of the season. And how, how are you feeling? Obviously back in action. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, it's nice to be playing again. Um, all right, yeah, not, not too bad. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us and unlucky today, man. See you soon. Cheers, mate. So that was Jack Armoride, Alex Gerrard, and Andy Ackers talking to me after the game. Uh, Paul, all disappointed uh, with the result and sort of the performance. All kicking themselves that they didn't take advantage of what was put in front of them. Yeah, well, I think they will be because they put an awful lot into that game. There was an awful lot of effort there in the match. You know, uh, Alex Gerrard in particular has been out injured. I thought he put up a good stint in uh, on Sunday, you know, coming back from his injury. Still got his, his leg, his knee heavily strapped up, but he put, put a good shift in. So, yeah, the players gave you know, maximum effort, really, and didn't get the rewards they probably deserved. I, I thought they deserved to win the game, to be honest with you. I thought the best side lost, but that, that you know, rugby league goals like that, sport goals like that sometimes, that's just the way it is. So, uh, they'll be disappointed, but, you know, they'll 
want to bounce back. They just want to get that win because you want to get that monkey off your back. The more games you lose becomes a habit, doesn't it? So Lee will be no pushovers whatsoever next week, and they're second in the table. And you know, with a bit more luck, they could have been top of the table. It was really unlucky in Catalan, so they're they're on tremendous form at the moment. So that's going to be a real humdinger next Sunday between two local rivals as well. Is the pressure building on Paul Rowley? Obviously, four defeats on the spin. There has been injuries. There has been lack of form. But obviously looking at the games to come, he'll need to find a win in the next couple of weeks to defuse the pressure. Yeah, I don't think pressure's building him as a coach, you know, regarding like him, his job or anything like that, because he's done a great job at Salford. And again, this season, we're punching above our weight. You look at the back row, we've got Sam Stone missing, Shane Wright's been missing. You know, that's a massive all out of your team. You know, last week we had the spine missing of Ackers, Briley and Croft. So they come back, you know, this weekend as well. And, you know, one thing's to be said there, it takes players a while to get back to that match fitness and Croft, Briley and Ackers probably wasn't, you know, they probably weren't 100% in that game. So you'd be expecting them to, to get back to those levels over the next couple of weeks. So, so I don't think the pressure's on Paul. I think he's, he's done a good job at Salford. There's no doubt about that. So uh, so we can we can relieve that sort of situation from him. But no, we, we don't want to miss out on that top six. I think it's, we want to grow the club and we want to, to finish in the playoffs, you know, regularly now, don't we? And, and, and keep building. So it'd be a disappointment if we weren't to make it. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be a race because it's so tight, the league at the moment. Moment. It really is in around the playoffs. There's not a lot of separating teams. You look at results from the weekend. Catalans are beating at home to Huddersfield. Uh, Warrington lost again, so they're dropping down the table. Wakefield beat Wigan. So everyone seems to be beating each other at the moment, so it's fascinating. Yeah, I'm just a bit sad for him, really, because obviously, like you say, four weeks ago, we were in the Challenge Cup. The world was our oyster. We've had four defeats. We've had injuries. Uh, we've had a poor performance at Wakefield. We've been unluckily beaten today at Leeds and it's you know the the, the story and the scenarios just changed hasn't it yeah that's sport though Rob you're only ever sort of one defeat away from uh, a crisis aren't you in mm. sport no matter whether it's football rugby cricket rugby union you name it so you know you win the week after you're the best thing since sliced bread so sport can change so quickly it really can and you know looking at Super League this season there's nothing to choose between the teams who'd have thought Lee would have been second in the table you know this, mm. this time of the year and it's credit to them they've done so well so you know, he's still always not lost. You know, it's all if we can get back on that. And we proved it, we can play some sensational rugby. It's just finding that, you know, that form, getting that bit of rubber with the green. And then, you know, the wins come, don't they? Look at last season, we had a tremendous run towards the back end of last year and got into the semi final. So I won't put that past them again. We've just got to hope we can, you know, be a bit more generous on the injury front. You know, talking about Lee as an example, I mean, I think they've had a more or less a settled side, the same team every week this season. You know, I'm not wishing injuries on them, but they've not had any really, have they? So, whereas we have, so it's about when we manage that now and uh, with a bit of luck, we can steer clear of big injury. I know Callum Watkins is out now for, I'm not sure how long he's out for, but, you know, the news about him not looking too good. So hopefully he'll be okay because he's a big miss for us as well. So, so yeah, let's hope we can get some bodies back and we have done this week and, uh, and keep away from those big injuries problems mm. how do we stop the spin Paul obviously like I said last few weeks um, not been able to win uh, struggling <laughs> how, how do we how do we break this uh, this cycle You've just got to keep working hard, Robin, and eventually the win will come. You know, you've got to believe in yourself. You're not going to get desperate. You know, we're going against Lee next week, and what you don't want to do is go into that game too desperate, Jack chucking the ball everywhere, have a nervous performance. You've just got to go there and, and play your game. We beat Lee already twice this season, so, you know, I think we've got the measure of them. I think we've got players that can, can do damage against them, and I think we've got a formula that can beat them. So I think it's a case of getting back on that training pitch this week, putting things right. 
get a bit more composure, you know, a decent game plan. And let's hope Mark Sneed's all right, because I know he was struggling a bit with an injury at the weekend, wasn't it, to his knee? You know, Ryan Bradley kicked the goals there and he was hobbling off and got took off before the end of the game. So let's hope he's all right, because he, he's our pivot and our leader. So, so yeah, I think it's about getting back on the pitch and uh, just working hard. Yeah, Mark Sneed had a scan on Monday. So we're waiting for results, Paul, which will be really sort of big for our season. Like you say, he's our main uh, leader, kicks the goals, quite creative. Uh, he will be a miss if he is out for an extended period of time. Yeah, of course he will. Of course he will. He's, uh, he's a real pivot for Solford, isn't he? And, uh, you know, we need players like that in the team. He's a goal kicker as well. So uh, we've got players you can fill in there, but you don't want to be losing the, the spine, do you? We said that against Wakefield the other week. We were lost players in that game. And you want a settled spine. You want to get your team you know, working on combinations and things like that. Once you start disrupting that, it's difficult to, to get results. So let's hope uh, all's well with Sneedy. Yeah. Looking at the rest of the Super League, um, Hull FC beat Hull KR 16-6 in the Hull Derby. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that Hull might win that game. You know, since Hull KR beat us in the cup, they have dropped off the boil a bit and uh, lost a couple of games. And Hull FC, you know, to the credit, have been really improving last few weeks. You know, they've got a, a settled halfback partnership now of Jake Truman and Jake Clifford. And since those two started double tailing together, they've been getting the results and, and some impressive results. You look at the Wallop St. Helens, uh, I think it was last week. Um, and a good win in the derby this week. So they're growing on confidence and they're just behind us in the table now. So that was an excellent win for Hull. Yeah, Huddersfield with away at Catalan, one twenty two fourteen to ease their relegation fizz. Yeah, I think they should be okay now, Huddersfield. And I think that result's been coming for, for Huddersfield. You know, they've had some improved performances. They've got some good players there in that team. I know they brought Jake Connor back in at the weekend as well. So he's a quality player. So I think it's, for me, I think Huddersfield is a mental thing. I think they've got the players, the personnel to do the job. I think it's just getting it mentally right for them, you know, and getting that right combination for Ian Watson there. So pleased for them. Glad they got a result over there in, in Catalan. And, uh, yeah, they've moved away now and it's, it's Wakefield and Castleford who are fighting out at the bottom. Yeah, Wakefield beat Wigan in Golden Point extra time, 27-26. Castleford went down to defeat home to Lee, 34-16. Wakefield and Castleford fighting amongst themselves uh, for that drop into the championship it's just two points between them now as well Rob isn't there I think Wakefield have got six Castle have got eight and I think they play each other in August I think so that's going to be a pivotal game I know Wakefield are away at Huddersfield this weekend coming I'm not sure who Castleford have got but you know if Wakefield could pick another win up that really does put a cat amongst the pigeons and you know they did that win against Wigan without Luke Gale as well so it just shows you they've got quality players in that team and for whatever reason it just wasn't working for them but they've got a couple of wins now and, and the confidence seems to be going through the roof and I think that's in sport that's vital you get a bit of belief and a bit of confidence you can start doing some damage yeah Cass are away at Hull FC and Wakefield away at Huddersfield so Wakefield is a four pointer there yeah, it certainly is. It's a massive game for Wakefield and a massive game for Cass as well. You know, they, they proved this season that they can get results. They've got some good players in their side, but they're looking a bit vulnerable at the moment. You know, you know, us, us as Salford supporters, we went to Castleford last month and absolutely blasted them apart, didn't we? And looked head and shoulders above them. Then we went to Wakefield and got beat, didn't we? So you'd probably have to say at the moment that Wakefield are the form side out of the two of them, aren't they? Castleford are on a real sort of a downward spiral, aren't they? They need, they need, they're desperately in need of a win, but it's going to be fascinating at both ends of the table as the season progresses. Yeah, set Ellens beat one in 24-40. Obviously, Warrington struggling. Yeah, they are. They, I don't know how many they've lost on the spin now, Warrington. It's 
four or five games mm-hmm. now, isn't it? And they, they're dropping down the table, aren't they, from, from top spot? They drop right down. I think they're only two points in front of Salford now. So, uh, so yeah, they have, and it's alarming, you know, the, the way things have gone there. They weren't a million miles off against Satan. I think there was a contentious forward pass, wasn't there, or something in that game. I didn't see the second half. I nodded off. I watched the first half and then <laughs> fell asleep. But... Uh, but yeah, they did some great games. You know, another massive crowd there at Warrington as well. And this is the best time of the year now for rugby league. I think you get into sort of June, July, August. You know, the the summer nights on on Friday, Friday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, or whatever. And uh, you do see some cracking matches, don't they? The, the pitches are firming up, and you know this is when uh, this is when we want Salford to come to the fore now, don't we? With the, with the rugby league that we play. So I think there's still so much to play for in the Challenge Cup as well, and, and the Super League. There's there's a lot of uh, twists and turns I think to to still happen. Yeah, let's move on to Swinton Lions. They were in action uh, this week against Featherstone away and lost 52 points to six. Bit of a drubbing, but Featherstone had a good team. Yeah, yeah. Featherstone are a quality side, aren't they? You know, some of the players they've got, and I know they've had quite a bit of player movement recently as well. And it's always going to be tough going there. You know, they're a full time team, really, aren't they? And it was a tough ask for Swinton to go there and uh, get a result. But they've been playing well, Swinton. They've had a couple of good wins last few weeks. And uh, yeah, you'd probably thought they kept it closer than that. But Featherstone are all a Super League side and they're making, really. They'll be disappointed if they don't go up this season. But. Again, it goes to a playoff, doesn't it? So they can they can finish the the league twenty points clear, can't they? But if they don't win that grand final, they're not going up to the Super League. So uh, they need to to peak at the right time. Yeah, Swinton are at home to London this week. London beat Toulouse, I think, last week, so they'll be in good form. Yeah, that's right. London have surprised. There is a been a funny team this season. They're a really slow start to the season. But Toulouse are a funny side. Though, aren't they? They've had some great wins. They lost to Swinton which was a surprise defeat. They lost to London, yet they beat Featherstone. So it's up and down, isn't it, at the moment? And as I said before, it's about peaking at the right time. Perhaps Toulouse are looking at peaking in the bar. I don't know. You know, for me as a supporter, you want to play well every week, don't you? It's not all about peaking. You just want to win the matches, don't you? But that championship is quite an unpredictable league, isn't it, at times? You know, you do get, you know, strange scores coming up. And London are always a tough side to beat. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So that's all the rugby league chat. And now James and Paul will talk boxing. We most certainly will, Paul, and I think the most relevant things going on this week in the world of boxing are the fight announcements we've had in the heavyweight division. So the first one, a rivalry that's been going on for over a decade now, Anthony Joshua and Dillian White, the body snatcher winning the first fight back in the amateurs, Joshua obviously winning the second in the pros, a feisty affair, knocking his opponent out via a seventh round uppercut, unconscious on the ground. Now they're going to battle for the third time. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, um, if you go back maybe two years or so, you wouldn't have thought this fight would be made, would you? But I think, you know, Anthony Joshua's dropped down the pecking order a bit. Um, I, I did listen to an interview that Barry McWigan did about him last week and you know people, a lot of people are writing him off now aren't they and saying he's put a bit of weight on he's not training as hard and I think once you, you sort of get like that it starts to become dangerous doesn't it so I hope Anthony Joshua switched on for this because he needs to be because Dylan White is no wug you know he, he can bang and he's, he's always very 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 aggressive and you know he'll want to win that fight you know technically do I think Dylan White's as good as Anthony Joshua no probably not but if if he wants that fight and he's got that desire, he's a very, very dangerous man. So Anthony Joshua needs to be switched on and needs to work hard in this camp for this one. You mentioned their interviews and people saying that AJ isn't quite as committed as he used to be. Both fighters have been accused of going on the slide. If either of them are in that position right now, who do you think is further down the mountain? 
tough question. That I mean, you to me, Anthony Joshua's still got to be looking at fighting the best, you know, because if he doesn't, I think he'll look back in 10, 15 years on his career and think, you know, what might have been. You know, he's been a good champion, there's no doubt about that, he's been a world champion, but has he fulfilled his potential? I mean, I don't think he has, in my opinion, your opinion might be different, but I don't think he has, and if he is to do that, he needs to beat Dylan White, and then he needs to go on and win some, some more fights against the big hitters, he really does, and if he doesn't, no, I think he'll be disappointed. You know, as for Dylan White, he's been tough, you know, every time he's fought. Do I think he, he's on the slide? No, I think the Anthony Joshua is, is the bigger fall from grace, really, if I'm honest. You know, he's he's not really he's not really recovered from his defeats, has he? And he's one of those fighters that's had heavy defeats and, and has it played on him mentally? Yeah, I think it has. I think I think he's one of those fighters that, that thought he was indestructible and as soon as he was dismantled, it's affected him. So, with that all said, who do you think has more to lose? Joshua. Joshua, definitely. I think so. I think Dylan White has got nothing to lose, really. Um, he's got everything to gain from this fight. If he, if he loses this fight, everybody thinks Anthony Joshua's a better fighter anyway. If he wins this fight, then that propels him to, to big fights himself. You know, Whoever wins this fight is going to get talked about and going to get matched up with, with the big guns, aren't they? I would have thought anyway. So, I think if Anthony Joshua loses it, where does he go from there? I think there's nowhere else for him to go, really, to be honest with you. If he loses this, it's it's um, last chance to loop for him. Absolutely. And in their last outings, they both took on Jermaine Franklin, both going the distance. Looking back on those performances, who do you think did the better job? Um, no, I think it's I, a hard one, that, to be honest with you. They're both... Labour didn't they really I, mean, I don't think Franklin's a great fighter to be honest with you he's a tough durable man isn't he but no, I think I think Joshua's been disappointing I, I really do in his last few fights he's not really he's changed the way he's fought we've spoke about this before haven't we when he came along he was a demolition man he'd just go through people and he has changed he, he doesn't seem that fighter anymore he doesn't seem as confident anymore he doesn't seem to, to be I don't know, as, as, as spiteful as he once was. You know, he seems to think a lot more about what he's doing and, and, and probably worry a bit too much about what's coming back at him. So so probably, you know, the Joshua fight's been, been more disappointing. He needs a statement. He needs to come out and, and a big win. And, and a big win against Dylan White provides that. You know, if he goes out there and, and absolutely smashes him and gets the knockout, then he's back up there again. His confidence is back up there. And who knows where that leads to? Most certainly. It's interesting you say that, that they've both got almost this reserved approach now. If you look back on their first fight, it was wild, wasn't it? Joshua battering White for the first round. And then if you remember, White swung after the bell. The whole thing went mental. There was numerous people in the ring. There was a bit of a brawl. And then obviously White comes into it. I think he landed a left hook, which wobbled Joshua for the first time in the career. It was a great fight to... Valiant fighters going all out, giving it their all, making a spectacular contest for the crowd. And obviously, AJ then landing that brutal shot to finish it all off. A vicious version of AJ. While they've been laboured in recent performances, do you think this grudge, this spite that they have against each other, could deliver us an amazing contest like they did last time? Yeah, I think it will do. I think it will do, James. I think you'll get that. I think you've got two fighters now that are in that last chance saloon. They've got... 
they've got to go for it, haven't they? And I think they will do. I think there's, there's that spitefulness there between the two of them. They don't like each other. They're sort of their pride of, of, of where they're both from. They're not far from far from each other are in rivalry. So, you know, where they where they where they sort of um, live and things like that. So you've got all that London rivalry. So I think they'll go for this. I think it'll be a cracking fight. I think it'll be a shootout. I think it will be like the first one. You know, it'll be like um, yeah, the, the OK Corral as they, they call it and the ball come out gunslinging. And I think it'll be a terrific fight to watch. Great atmosphere. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be be a, be a top fight. Most certainly. It's going to be a great one. I think we're all looking forward to it. And another that has been announced in the heavyweight division is Alexander Usyk versus Daniel Dubois. It's a big one. Not necessarily the fight we were expecting to see. It's the one we're getting. How do you evaluate it? Has Daniel Dubois got any ounce of skill and ability to be able to decode the puzzle that is Alexander Usyk? It's a, it's a massive fight for him, James. Really is, and you know Dubois has got talent. He's got power. You know, do I think he can beat Usyk? I don't know. I'm not so sure. I don't think so. Alexander Usyk at his best? No, I don't. But as he come down, as he you know he's had a lot of stress with you know what's been going on in his home country and things like that. Is that going to take its toll on Usyk, or is that spurred him on to be even better fighter and even hungrier fighter than he already was? You know, it's it's an intriguing, an intriguing situation, really. I mean, you know, it, it's a massive fight for Dubois. If he wins it, it then it propels him to, to to huge fights, super fights, doesn't it? But I don't know. You know, personally speaking, what do I think? I think Usyk has been training as hard as ever. You know, I think all that in his his homeland, the war and things like that, have spurred him on, and I think he wants to to do even better for his country. He's an absolute machine, isn't he? So I think you'll see him in absolutely tip-top condition. And if Daniel Dubois wants to beat him, he's going to have to have trained even harder than, than, than Usyk. And even more so than beating Usyk, he'll have to beat all those fans that are going to be there for him in the Rollclaw Stadium in Poland. Usyk has made a reputation of going around the globe and beating fighters in their own backyard, whether it be Tony Bellew in England, Michael Hunter in America, Bradis in Latvia, Gassiev in Russia, Glavaki in Poland, etc., etc. He's always found a way to overcome the odds and beat the fighters in front of the home fans. And while Poland isn't his home cra- home crowd, it isn't Ukraine, obviously we can't stage fights there at the moment. It's as close as he's come to a homecoming in a long time. How is he going to react under that pressure and how will Dubois react under it? Oh, that's a tough one. You'd hope both fighters will, will react well and react positively. You know, that's, you know, from Dubois, that's where you, where you want to be. You, you want to be involved in these fights, don't you? And, I think, you know, a crowd against him, that should spur him on. You know, that should spur him on even more. But for Usyk, I think it will, you know, I know we both said that it's not his, his, his homeland, but it's as near as damn it. And you probably have a lot of Ukrainian supporters making the jury. There's probably already a lot in Poland anyway. So it'll be like a home fight for him. There's going to be a lot of emotion there. And it's how he reacts to that emotion. Does it spur him on or does it make him go into his shell? I think it'll spur Usyk on. But I think it'll spur Dubois and I think you'll see a cracking fight. I really do. It's whether, like you said, whether he can crack the code, crack the puzzle of, of Usyk. It's going to be a massive task for him. And when you look at Dubois, somebody who obviously, when he was coming through, looked so explosive. A great jab, a great right hand, technically quite sound. And then he runs into Joe Joyce and he gets beat. But you can very much argue that that was simply a case of too much too soon. When you look at this fighter in Dubois, how far is he capable of going? Um, well, when he first came on the scene, I was very impressed with his power. 
And I think he's got to use that against Usyk, definitely. You know, Usyk's not a massive man, but he, he's got an incredible chin. So, how does Dubois go against this? Does he go out and try and outbox Usyk, which I don't think he can do? Or does he go out there and try and, you know, do a, do a number on Usyk, you know, try and knock him out? I think that's the way he's got to go. Whether he can do that, I don't know. But I don't think he can outbox Usyk. I don't think Dubois can outbox him. I certainly don't. I think he, he's too clever. He's too smart for that. And uh, no, if Dubois wants to beat him, he'll have to go out there with raw power and, and do, him, do him that way. So that makes it even more intriguing. Most certainly does. And looking at Dubois' last outing, he took on Kevin Lorena, an experienced South African, a former IBO champion, a slickster, somebody who knows how to box, not necessarily somebody renowned as a massive puncher. He put Dubois down three times in the first round on the undercard of Fury's recent fight against Derek Chisora. Was it a bad night at the office with Dubois or was there vulnerabilities that Lorena exposed that night? Oh, I think there was vulnerabilities. I think I think there is in, in Dubois. There's no doubt about it. I don't think he's the finished article yet. I think he can still improve. I think there's still improvements. And there's always improvement in fighters. But I think he's got improvements in him. But I think he's got talent. I think he's got that raw talent, that raw power and skill to, to, to get a result. But in this fight, it's a massive one for him. It's, sometimes there's levels in boxing, isn't it? And we see these fights get made up and we look at them and we think, oh, is he going to beat him? Is he, is he too good? And, and you get a lot of that sometimes where a fighter just isn't good enough on, on the night. But everyone's got a chance and Dubois has got a chance. He's, he's going to have to have a game plan. But I think his game plan has got to be to go and try and knock Usyk out. I don't think he can outbox him, as I said. So it's going to be intriguing. It's going to be an intriguing fight, but it's, it's another box office fight, though, isn't it? It's one that we all want to see. Um, I'm not so sure Dubois was the first choice for people, but you know, it's every time Alexander Usyk's in the ring, people want to watch it, don't they? Because it's such a terrific fighter. So whoever he's boxing, it'll, it'll, it'll be a top fight. You mentioned there, it is a box office one taking place on TNT Sports box office, which is going to be the rebranded version of BT Sports. So an interesting one there. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's frustrating for boxing fans sometimes, isn't it? The way we don't really get much anymore now, do we? We're either on Sky Box Office or you've got The Zone or, or you name it, ESPN. There's all these other channels. It's, it's difficult to get boxing on now, isn't it? It's hard to, to track where it is or where it's going to be. So uh, it'd be great if we could get a bit more access to, to live boxing, but, uh, but that's just not the case at the moment. It just seems to be all over the place. Most certainly does. An expensive month for British boxing fans. Dillian White versus Anthony Joshua, I believe, is going to be £27. And then you've got Dubois and White as well. So you're looking at, sorry, Dubois and Usyk. So you're looking at in and around £50 there in the month of August on top of your BT Sports subscription, on top of your Sky Sports subscription. So if you were down to just able to spend money on one of those <laughs> fights, Paul, which one would you whip your wallet out for? Out of which one, sorry? Out of the two heavyweight fights. Um, oh. Joshua in uh, the Joshua fight's got to be the, the one for me. I think I, I don't know. It, you, you, everyone wants to see Usyk done because he's a skillful man, but you know I, I'd be going for the, uh, the the Joshua fight. I think because it just just for the, for the nostalgia of being British, uh, the rivalry is on that fight, and I think it's going to be a box office fight as well. I think it's going to be a you know real blood and thunder, and you know one you won't be able to take your eyes off, and one that I won't think will go the distance either. I think it'll last about four or five rounds, that one, I think. And then looking at a couple of other bits and bobs from the boxing world, last week we spoke about Tony Bellew 
potentially coming out of retirement to take on Lucas Rosansky for the WBC Bridgeweight title in a bid to become a two-weight champion. Somebody else who's targeting the pole is Badu Jack, currently the WBC Cruiserweight champion, and he's vying up the possibility of becoming a four-weight world champion. Yeah, yeah, fascinating, you know, what's going on at the moment and, you know, people coming out of retirement and things like, you mentioned Tony Bellew there, I think Tony Bellew's older than me, so if he can still do it, anybody can, can't they, so, and we had the, the Ricky Burns one as well, you know, this Willie Lemon, that's another fascinating one, two blokes in the 40s as well, who we were coming back, so there's plenty going on at the moment, isn't there, and uh, it's good to see, good to see these old fighters still around. Most certainly is, Paul, and then the last boxing question of the day for you, Joe Cordina, on Twitter, apparently Eddie Hearn is leading him down the route of a domestic bout with Zelfa Barrett, but he's complained, told Hearn that he doesn't want this fight, he'd rather aim for the unifications, and it's always interesting when a fighter outwardly kicks off with a promoter on social media. Yeah, it certainly is, I mean, at the end of the day, you should be guided by your, your promoter and your team and things like that, and I don't think any fighter should turn anybody down. Um, I think you should get on with it and, and, and just, you know, the Zalfa Barrett fight's a good fight. You know, Zalfa's a good boxer, comes from a good boxing family. He doesn't live far from where I live up in the, in North Manchester. So, you know, and he's a good ticket seller as well. And that, that'd be a good fight, a good domestic duster. But sometimes you've got to look at it from the fighter's point of view if he, if he wants unifications and things like that. And he, it's a short career, isn't it? So you've got to, I don't know, I think you've got to put trust in your team sometimes and, uh, and, but it's a difficult one. Most certainly. Now we're going to have a quick interview in the world of American football. This week I was speaking to Chicago Bears star Chase Claypool. He's been over in the UK looking for the next youngster to take on the world of NFL and to become a big star. So I was gladly happy to get a few minutes of time with him. So without further ado, here's Chase Claypool. Right, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Chicago Bears star Chase Claypool. And you're here at the Mini Monsters Camp in London. The kids are down, they're learning the ropes, they're falling in love with the sport, and I believe you're getting right stuck in with the action. That's right, we are here now with the kids, they're running around. Uh, I'm trying to give some encouragement, but I also want to throw in some competitive aspect into there, because at the end of the day, it is to have fun, but you always got to compete a little bit, so it's been cool to be out here, uh, seeing the kids play football, especially out here in London. And it must be crazy for you, somebody who's obviously so successful in this sport. It must throw you back to your early days when you were learning the sport. What was your journey like? Yeah, this is how I started. Um, you know, I started playing football just uh, during recess, uh, the break play time at school. And then it translated to college, or not college, flag football. And then it translated to tackle football, college, and then NFL. So it all started with this, these camps right here. Um, so it does turn the clock back, and uh, I remember uh, wearing the shirts, wanting them to get signed and stuff like that, uh, doing the drill as hard as I could, so it's super cool to be back here. It's good that you mentioned that. It's such a crazy juxtaposition for you, because obviously at one stage you were the kid wanting to be an NFL star. Now you are that NFL star. What does it feel like to be inspiring these children? Yeah, to be able to you know be in their shoes and then finally uh, be in the position where I wanted to be my whole life it's so important to be able to give back so the fact that the mini monsters is going around europe and doing these things is so cool so i had to do it it wasn't a choice for me it was something i wanted to do and being able to be a global ambassador uh, has been a blessing and i imagine they're dead excited to play with you what sort of drills have you been doing with them today yeah so we have a little quarterback drill over here on my right um i'm gonna go 
it was like a one-on-one tackle challenge. Um, so I'm going to go over to that after this one and see, not tackle, it's like a flight point. But uh, I'm going to go check that out and see who got the moves over there. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, have you been impressed by what you've seen today? Yeah, you know, like um, the kids, the kids have talent, you know, like it's crazy to see that maybe they probably never played this sport before, but you see them with the football in their hands, they look like a natural. Um, so it is so cool to see how uh, gifted some, some, you know, some of these kids can be and they would have never even known it if the mini monsters camp wasn't around. And you're obviously somebody who's reached the pinnacle playing for the Chicago Bears, which I imagine must mean a great deal to you. When you look at these kids, do you see any of them that you think, well, he could be the next star coming up? Yeah, you know, it is hard to say because uh, they're younger, but like um, one of these kids at this camp could very well be um, um, in the NFL. You just never really know. You can never t- say that isn't a possibility um, because, it, it, you know, it happened with me. So to, to see some of these kids who are so athletic and uh, flying around and, and making plays already, it's a good sign. It's a good sign for European American football. <laughs> and with the sport growing so much, the Chicago Bears obviously expanding over here in the UK. What do you make of the growth we've seen? Um, you know, I mean, it's it's cool. It's super cool that they're doing the grassroots program out here in Europe. But uh, did you want to know about the growth of our team or of the growth of the sport in general? Both, both, Chess. Okay. So the fact that they are growing the sport internationally – me being from Canada, you know, like I mentioned, it's just it's it's great that I can be on a team that does that. And then on top of that, adding all the players that we did this off season, uh, having the exact same coaching staff, the same coordinator, the same quarterback, we're just able to build on the things that we've already built on. So uh, this year is going to be really exciting internationally and in North America as well. Well, Chase, I'd like to thank you so much for talking to me. It's deeply appreciated. It's amazing to see you out there having fun with the kids and inspiring them to do some amazing things just like you've done. But before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to talk about that I perhaps haven't asked you about? Um, Honestly, there's nothing on top of my head. Just be rooting for the Bears this year. Uh, uh, Thank you for the Bears for having me out uh, with this Mini Monsters Tour. Uh, Love you, Mom. And that's it. Fantastic hearing from him, Rob. As ever, it's great to see the sport developing in the UK. Can you see it coming into fruition here and being a big sport like it is in the States? It's a good question, that, James, because American football um, is mo- is all America mostly. But they are looking to try and get it into, into the UK. Um, I know uh, in Manchester we have a, a local uh, sort of American football team. Uh, I think it's Trafford. Um, on Manchester Knights that are, you know, who want to sort of expand the game. And, you know, we've had a few interviews over the last week of, of you know, players who, who have come over and, and coaches trying to build the game, James. And it's exciting times for, for American football. Uh, I'm sure if they continue to, to do that and focus on, uh, you know, the possible uh, crowd here in England, that uh, it might take off. It might certainly, Rob. It, it could well take off. And players like Chase Claypool are trying to, explore the sport over here, trying to make it bigger. Teams like Chicago Bears looking for stars, looking for talent. But before we end up in a world where American football takes over, let's stay humble, let's stay loyal to our own sport, our own beautiful game of good old-fashioned English football. And I was absolutely delighted to head out to Spain this week to Benidorm to watch Preston North End play. Yeah. How did that go, James? Uh, are you are you speaking from your prison cell in, uh, in Spain? 
I am, yep, yeah, live from the Spanish prison cell. Obviously, the guards are big fans of the sports zone, so they were happy to let me have a good few minutes off to record the show, and of course, they'll be listening to it live on Tuesday. Yeah, good. I'm paying Paul Whiteside's lab that the, the one call you've got uh, is to him. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... <laughs> If I ever want to call somebody, Rob, if ever I need somebody to, to get me out of a situation, I mean, I've been arrested on several occasions in Israel, in Guatemala, in Vietnam, and Paul is always there as my one call. <laughs> Indeed. And the let's what, Paul? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so, obviously, football is the off-season, but there is lots going on. The uh, England tw- un- England under-21 team won the European Championship the weekend, beating Spain uh, 1-0. Uh, a great result for the, in- the English youth, James. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, Preston beat Bruno's Magpies 3-0, and this is even better for England stars. A fantastic result for us. And I always like watching the youngsters play. I like seeing the next generation. And, you know, obviously for, for you know for big fans of football like yourself, Rob, it's always great to see these youngsters coming up because, you know, watching you see two, three, four, five, that you think, you know, in 10 years' time, they could be the players leading the way for England. Yeah, it is exciting. We talk about the youth, don't we, Paul? And, you know, going to that next level and winning uh, the Under-21 European Championships will be a stepping stone in their career to hopefully reach Premier League level and full uh, international stage Gs too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a stepping stone, isn't it? And if you're doing, you know, you're playing right in those um, places when, you, when you're a youngster and that sort of, um, that's the word I'm looking for, that environment, that's what I'm looking for, you know, it can only spur you on, can it? It make you a better player. So uh, they learn an awful lot from that as well. And it, you know, it's a brutal sport, football, isn't it, in this country? And there's an awful lot going on, isn't there? The money that's involved in it, the fame of it all. So I think it gives you a massive grounding on you. It's like in boxing, we talk about all the time, people that have had good amateur careers and it stands them in good stead and gives them an awful lot of experience going forward in the programme. Yeah, the England goalkeeper, uh, James Trafford, uh, saved a 96th-minute penalty uh, to secure the win. Obviously, England's history with penalties isn't great, James. Uh, so, this is a positive going forward. Yeah, it most certainly is, Rob. I mean, if you've got a goalkeeper who's got a heart of steel between the sticks, you know that he's going to be good for the future because, obviously, some of the goalkeepers that we have had in net haven't been so good in higher pressure situations. So it's it's fantastic for us that we have him and hopefully in the future we can utilise his talent. But that penalty that you mentioned there gave me a throwback. I think it was must have been about 2007, 2008. I think there was an England under-21s penalty shootout that must have gone, they must have gone around laps in terms of how many players were taking, for, uh, taking penalties. Do you have any memory of this? Um, I do remember United v Valencia, I think, in the Europa League, and I think it finished uh, 11-10, and David De Gea missed the, the decisive penalty for Manchester United. But I suppose with the penalty shootouts, Paul, um, you've got to hope that your goal is good uh, or your players are good, and if both, if your players are good and scoring the goals and, and the goal isn't good and he's not saving any, it can go on for a while. Yeah, it's pot luck, isn't it, sometimes? I think it's about holding your nerve, isn't it? You know, penalty shootouts, you've got to hold your nerve and you keep the ball low, I think. Or if you're going to sky, you've got no chance. But, yeah, a good goalkeeper is always uh, is always a, 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 an advantage. Yeah, and this James Trafford plays for Manchester City, but he has moved to Burnley for £19 million. Obviously, with Burnley being promoted to the Premier League, uh, this will be an opportunity for him to claim a... Uh, the number one spot in that team. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely will. It's an opportunity that I'm assuming that he will want to seize with both hands. And it's been a big week, hasn't it, in terms of goalkeeping transfers? Obviously, David De Gea releasing his final statement, saying goodbye to his beloved Manchester United. He has had an incredible time at the club, achieved so much, so it will be sad to see him go. And we've now made a formal bid for Andre Onana. Yeah, could be the guy to replace David De Gea, but... Let's just take a look at David Ayer. 12 years at Manchester United, 545 appearances, 190 clean sheets during his time at the club. Paul, a fantastic goalkeeper uh, between the posts, has saved many, uh, many goals for Manchester United through the years. Um, will the fans be sorry to see him go? Or is it just time to uh, part waves? I think sometimes you've got to move on in sport, haven't you? But if you're going to move on, you're hopefully moving on with better things, aren't you? And I'm actually United signing a better goalkeeper. So I'm not so sure. Sometimes it could be a decision that comes back to, to bite them. I'm not a massive expert, but I know De Gea is a good player. So this could be one that you know, comes back to haunt them. Yeah, David De Gea is one of your favourites, isn't he, James? Are you sad that he's departed the scene? I am, I am. And I saw somebody put together, I think, a movie on Twitter. It was like an hour and a half of, of David De Gea mistakes. And I think that just does not tell the story of what an amazing keeper he was. Because, Rob, you'll have many a fond memory of him saving Manchester United from the brink of destruction. Yeah, he was the the, the wall in many uh, occasions for Manchester United, especially with the, the ropey defence in front of him. He just seemed to be able to you know stop certain goals. Is he in the same bracket as Peter Smeichel for me? I probably have to say no, because he saved a lot of his feet and he didn't really catch the ball much. He was parried, parried the ball a lot. And if you don't parry it in the right direction, you might get caught out. But... He was a great goalkeeper for Manchester United. Uh, like I said, many many Player of the Year awards, many clean sheets. Uh, it's just unfortunate he managed the decline of Manchester United uh, since Alex Ferguson left, James. Yeah, I mean, it's any link to Smeichel, isn't it, with you, Rob? <laughs> But, yeah. um, looking at the uh, the defence that you mentioned there, Harry Maguire and Eric Bailly both featuring in that defence, not quite had the Manchester careers they'd have liked. And it looks like they're both going to be on the way out as well this summer. Yeah, Harry Maguire, um, one of England's uh, top centre-outs, but never really fit in at Manchester United. Paul, you know, for all his heroics in in defences, you know, he, he was he really the, the 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 player Man United should have signed back then. He's not really produced the goods at England level. He is he is colossal, but it's different when you play for Man United. Who's that? Sorry, Rob. Harry Maguire. Maguire, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not an expert on him to be honest, Rob, but I do read what people say and people sort of slag him off, don't they? And I don't think they've seen the best of it, Manchester United, have they? So I, I'd probably be the wrong person to comment on him, but uh, but no, I've never been impressed with him that much when I've seen him play. Mm. It's pressure of being a Manchester United player, James. Sometimes some players just aren't able to do it and I think the way the United play and on a high line and his pace isn't his best asset is it so he gets caught out quite a bit and the question will be can Manchester United get rid of him because obviously he'll be on a fair whack at Manchester United he has to go to another team who are willing to either take on his wages or United will have to pay him off so that'll be an interesting conundrum that they have to solve. Yeah, it most certainly will, Rob. I mean, Maguire, I mean, at one stage, he was the most expensive defender on the planet, wasn't he? Mm. When he signed from Leicester, we really were expecting big things. And, you know, he has fumbled under the pressure. And I don't think the media's helped him, Rob, and the fans who, who turned against him quite quickly. Yeah, disappointing. But Manchester United carries on. 
and the team carries on and the players carry on and this on oh, no, uh, the new goalkeeper James coming in uh, different way of playing uh, will obviously help that defense be a bit more relaxed yeah yeah Mog, certainly i think it's of uh, integral importance that we get players in who can who can do a job at the back and looking at some of the other big signings this summer we were just discussing this off air weren't we that Karim Benzema has headed to Al Ittihad in Saudi Arabia and looking at his wage here Rob 200 million a season six pound per second it's an outrageous amount of money uh, for anybody any sport it's it's telephone numbers in it Paul you know I mean we People play sport for the enjoyment, but when you get to a certain level and these players can command that kind of fee, it's it's frightening. It certainly is, yeah. You still see people homeless on the streets, don't you? Sat outside supermarkets begging, and, and then footballers are on these colossal amounts of money. It doesn't add up to me sometimes, it really doesn't. But I suppose that's life, isn't it? That's just the way life is. And if if one country or one team is going to pay that wage, then you've got to pay it to keep up with them, don't you? That, that, that's sport and that's the entertainment business, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously, like another one that's gone to Saudi Arabia, James, another star chasing the money. How long will it be before that's the place where everybody goes and the top players go rather than the people who are looking for that last big payday? Well, in terms of the landscape of sport, I mean, Las Vegas used to be the place where everything big went to in terms of boxing. And then you've obviously got your older footballers like your Beckhams and your Robbie Keynes and players like that who headed out to the States for one last shot of glory. This whole thing, it's worrying, isn't it? Because obviously the human rights violations that are very prevalent in Saudi Arabia, they're very well known. It's quite openly spoke about. Yet you've got Eddie Hearn taking the boxing out there, F1 out there regularly. Vince McMahon is constantly taking the WWE out there. And it seems like sport is growing at an alarming rate. It's what obviously people in the trade call, call sports washing, really. And it, yeah. it's worrying, especially off the back of Qatar and things like that. Yeah, but I think with sport, I don't think... Can you mix sport and politics? Sport is sport, and I know they like to try to to, to try and not, um, you know, hide the things that are going on in the country, Paul. But really, I don't think you can do that. I think sport is sport, and politics is politics. Of course, it is. Yeah, you should never mix sport with politics, Rob. I mean, people have enough stuff in their lives to put up with, enough misery and that from from politics and things like that. I think. You know, you look at like war in Ukraine and there's all sorts of wars and things that go on all over the world. And I think people have sport as like a, a break from that, you know, to, to enjoy themselves. So, yeah, I, I don't think they should be involved one one bit. I think it should be totally different. But there's, there's morals to things as well, Rob, to think about. But, yeah, when you mix sport and politics, you're going on a slippery slope there. Yeah, I suppose even with likes of FIFA, where they are the political side of football, and uh, that's the grey area, isn't it, James? Yeah, yeah, it is so. And obviously, FIFA have had stick in their own right. It's a depressing topic, as Paul said there. Obviously, there's so much misery that people want to just grasp onto sport as, as a beacon of positivity. And I suppose for so many of us, we, we can do that with whether it be football, whether it be rugby, whether it be boxing. We just, it'd be better, I suppose, if uh, these negative connotations weren't there and we were able to focus on the positives. But regardless to answer, I suppose, your, your original question as to how long it'll take. Uh, you're looking at about 10 years or so before Saudi are pretty big players in the sport. Mm. And the question then is, James, is there enough money and interest to maybe push them into the Champions League and be a sort of like top team in the Saudi League playing in the Champions League just like the Australians in the Eurovision? 
<laughs> it's a very interesting comparison. I, for one, Rob, am adamant that Australia should not be allowed to compete in Eurovision, but that's a conversation for another day. But you mentioned there, obviously, we have the Club World Cup, don't we, that uh, that takes place every year. But I think they're now expanding that to a 32 Club World Cup. and Maybe that can be the place for the Saudi teams to perform. Is the Saudi team in the Euro in the European Champions League, Paul? Is it twelve points or nil point for you? Nil point for me, Rob. You can't you can't have it, can you? No. You no. Well, like you say that's that's that worries me. That's the way sport's going to go. That you know, money sort of forces your way in, James, and that's that's the worry for me. Yeah. <laughs> You don't want money to be the be-all and end-all, but I suppose with all these sports, it's a business, and in some, it's more obvious than others. We talk about boxing all the time, where the sort of A-side wins seemingly no matter what, and it becomes obvious that it's a business, and that's what is happening here in football with Saudi. People are going over because it's the right business move. It doesn't improve Karim Benzema's legacy to go to Saudi Arabia, does it? I mean, he could go to the Bundesliga, he could go to the Premier League, etc., etc., if he wanted to extend his legacy. Mm. With a minute to go, uh, Paul, the, the most thing you're looking forward to in the sporting world in the next month? Salford getting back up the table, Rob. You know, always getting some good results. And I'm going to Catalan as well. I'm going over to Catalan with my daughter and my dad, so I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to going there and hopefully bringing two points back from France. Good. Make sure you're not in the same cell as James. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, yeah, in the next month or so, Rob. Hopefully, I'll be back out and flying back to back to sunny England because I'm, I'm getting bored of this cell now. There's there's some not so nice people in here with me, and it's it's a horrible world. Yeah, James is all jet set. What are you looking forward to, sporting wise? Well, there's no TV in here, Rob. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, ultimately, I think in the next month or so. Obviously, you got Joshua White on the 14th of August. That's a tad bit more than a month, but there is some good stuff looking forward to, especially you know in the world of boxing, in the world of combat sports in particular. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. We'll be talking about it on Sports Zone on Salt City Radio. Big thanks for tuning, in, and we'll see you see you soon for more for Sporting Chat.